Welcome to Preston Minster. Find your home, find your purpose, transform your city. Let's jump into this week's talk. Good morning, guys. What a bittersweet morning. Oh, my goodness. Such a joy to be in church, and also it comes with heartbreak as well, doesn't it? Saying goodbye, saying hello, it's a bittersweet moment. I am thrilled to be sharing just as we come to the end of this amazing book of Philippians. We've been in Philippians for a little while, looking at the secret to joy, and um, it feels really timely for me uh, reading this passage, because Paul is coming to the close of his letter in Philippians, just as Sam and I are coming to the close of a very unique season of leading the church here. Um, I hope you all know we're not going anywhere, but it is the end of a season, and I felt a lot of um, empathy or a lot of, what's the word, I don't know, understanding with what, with what Paul was saying. So, so humor me, friends, this morning as I sit in Paul's seat for a moment and embody this affection and passion that he talks to this church that he's planted with. Right, we're going to jump in. It's chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Eodia and I plead with Syntiac to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Okay, now I'm just going to say now, my iPad is dying and I'm going to have to keep unlocking it, so forgive me if I keep wasting time doing that. Okay. Um, So this is Paul. We know he's writing this letter to the Philippians. We know that Paul is in chains for his faith at this point. He's a prisoner for the gospel, and he ultimately will die because of his love for Jesus. And yet this letter here in Paul, this letter in Philippians that we've been looking at, is full of this unearthly joy. This incredible joy, which is so counterculture, which is so upside down, which is so the opposite of everything we're told should bring joy, as we've been unpacking. And in many ways, this tiny little chunk of scripture, these little three verses, actually recaps a lot of what we've been looking at over these last few weeks. So firstly, the first secret to joy in this passage is the secret to joy is in the church. Paul opens this book in Philippians by saying, I thank God every time I remember you. In my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. It feels so poignant today with Pippa leaving us and Stephen and Fionn arriving. This joyful partnership in the gospel, this love for the people that serve alongside us for seasons and come and go, can really like feel what Paul's love and like care for these people. This love of Paul's for the church is so consistent throughout his letters. If you've read any of them, he speaks so fondly and affectionately of the church. If you cut Paul open, he would bleed love for the church. 
And Paul's not a man to mince his words. You know, in Galatians, he talks about you foolish Galatians. Earlier on in Philippians, he talks about dogs and I don't know what, but like he doesn't mince his words. So we know that when he says he loves the church, he means it. Now, Sam is at home with a migraine this morning, um, so do pray for him if you, if you get a moment. But I, I just want to grab this moment to say how proud I am of him over the last few years. He has invested so much time and love and energy into this season, and it, it's been an absolute joy to do it with him, to walk alongside him, to, to share those highs and lows. But it is scary that the mindset, it is easy to fall into, that somehow there's some kind of honor in getting this church off the ground that it's it's applaudable or it's praiseworthy because actually we see from Paul it, it's the opposite and it's our lived experience that it is the honor and the privilege to serve the church to be part of the church Call, Paul calls the church in Philippi his crown and he's not talking here about a reward in heaven in other parts he talks about um, running the race and the reward he's looking forward to but here he's calling the church his crown the church is the joy the church is the purpose the prize the church is the main event this us gathered we together the body of Christ is our reward that we get to be part of this that we have each other And one of the deepest ways that we get to experience the love of God is through the church. We see that here in Paul's story. This is so real. As I said, he's far away. He's a prisoner. And yet he is carried and upheld by the love and the prayers of the saints. He is feeling this joy, this unexplainable, unearthly joy in prison because he's loved for and prayed for and cared for by the saints. Now, I'm 35 years old, so I'm sure I've got, I know I've got a lot more ups and downs to encounter in life, hopefully many more years to go. But when I look back over my life so far, I I really feel that I have experienced the tangible love of God through people, you know, through friends, through family, through the church. Some of those people have been people who are really close friends of mine and, you know, I've invested in them, they've invested in me, it's a kind of give and take. Other people are, are older, you know, they, I haven't given anything to them, they've just given to me. Or other people I've not known that well and they've, they've, they've prayed for me. People have given to us anonymously, financially, people have prayed with us through the night, you know. I'm sure you can all think of people right now, at least a person who has loved you in a, in a godly and unconditional way. We get to experience the joy of Jesus through the church, this tangible hands and feet. And I, I, can, I feel I relate that so much. I relate to Paul. The church is my crown, and I hope you feel that for yourself too. The church is our joy and our reward. I, I feel like it always has to be acknowledged in these moments that we can also be deeply hurt and deeply disappointed and let down by people. And I know that some, of, some people in this room have been almost destroyed by the actions of people within the church. So in no way am I saying it's perfect. And we live at a time when, rightly so, many institutions are having a reckoning moment and rightly so. There is obviously corruption and abuse of power within the church, and it's heartbreaking. And there will be justice, and we can trust Jesus. 
And um, I just wanted to say as well, as I celebrate and think of all the joyous things about the church, I, I'm so sorry if today your experience of being in church has not been a joyful one. And I'm sorry if you've been let down by brothers and sisters. I'm sorry if I've let you down. I feel so sad when I think of all the years of the people that I could have been Jesus to and I wasn't. So I, I recognize it, it's a broken experience. And yet, despite this messy, broken humanness, we get to experience the love of Jesus in the church. Paul still calls the church his joy and his crown. And we serve a God who is making all things new. And every day we get the chance to live out this calling and to be those people. The secret to joy is in the church. Bearing that in mind, Paul also exhorts us to stand firm. Now, as I mentioned before, in this little passage, Paul is cementing themes here um, that we've been unpacking over the last few weeks. We're seeing some repetition. It says here, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. And in this way is like placed in the context of the whole book, things he's talked about before. In chapter two, Paul says, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may be blameless and pure. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the words of life. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the words of life. Paul knows that there's a lot in this world, there's a lot this world offers us that is called joy, but it's counterfeit, it's fake, it's not the real deal. Now, health is a bit of a passion of mine. My favorite thing to do is to listen to a really long health podcast, usually on uh, sped up because nobody's got like two hours to listen to something. So I listen to it whizzing really fast. And um, I don't know if any of you have clocked this, but there's a lot of talk at the moment about ultra-processed food. Ultra-processed foods are highly altered and typically contain a lot of salt, sugar, fat, and industrial chemical additives. And right now, ultra-processed foods are the big bad guys. And the thing about ultra-processed foods is it is not just the specific ingredients of salt and sugar and fat that make them dangerous, but it's the fact that they've been so unnaturally and extremely altered and processed. Now, the world is offering us a lot of ultra-processed food for our souls, a lot of delicious-tasting snacks that will never satisfy but always leave us hungry for more. Guys, the Word of God will not provide us with the dopamine hit that we're craving. We don't necessarily feel good the second we open the Bible. Kneeling in prayer won't like light up those reward sensors like eating a bar of chocolate or scrolling through Instagram would. But this heavily processed stuff, if that's all we're consuming, will ultimately lead to death. And so Paul exhorts us to hold firmly to the word of life. Eugene Peterson frames it beautifully like this in the message version. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day Christ returns. So in his closing paragraph in this little passage to the Philippians, Paul encourages his readers, then and us now, two millennia later, to stand firm. Finally, closing, um, Paul pleads for us as the church to choose unity. 
He says a little bit earlier in Philippians, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So one of Paul's secrets is that joy is found in the church. And as we've briefly touched on, it's not always human, in, sorry, it's not always found in human nature, which can be to be selfish and proud and self-seeking. It's actually a really hard choice to take the high road and choose unity. As Paul closes this letter, he's pleading with two women to put aside their differences and be of the same mind. He commends them as co-workers in the gospel, along with Clement. Now, I just had to share this really random story, but when I was 19, Sam and I did a gap year um, with a Christian youth organization, and we went to Albania for a few months, and we did like a few weeks in a little village that was mainly made up of Romani people, and there was an amazing man there called Clement, and I thought of him. He was from St. Lucia, and his wife was from Scotland, and they were there loving the people of Romani. And I just thought, God bless those guys. I don't know if they're still there, but he was a big inspiration to us because he'd given up his, his home and his family to go and love the people there. Anyway, just, just a little Clement story for you. Anyway, back to today. Let's choose unity, friends. It is costly. It sounds so nice. The idea of unity sounds so nice, but the, it, it means dying to self. It, it's easy to love people who agree with us and people who we like and people who like us, but true joy is actually found when we put those differences aside and we serve one another. So to close, circling back to my first point about joy being found in the church, we see here that Paul is reaping what he has sown. His life has literally been poured out for the churches that he's planted. And um, he's experiencing this unearthly joy because he practices what he preaches. He receives so much joy from the church because he has given so much. So if you're feeling disillusioned and disappointed by the church today, I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be the change you long to see. It's not easy. And for some of us, there is real and significant healing needed. But every time we get come to meet together, every Sunday, every time we meet within the week, we get to be the church and we get to be the ones that lift each other up in prayer. We get to be the ones to help out those in need. We get to be the ones to sit with others going through the dark night of the soul. So if you haven't experienced it yet, my encouragement to you is to be it. I want to finish with just reading Paul's words again. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Amen. Guys, I'd love you to stand. We're just going to go into, into prayer and worship. Um, I'd love just to pray to close. Thanks for listening. Follow us on social media. See you next week. Thank you.